This is the Legal Lounge from Lanyon Bowdler Solicitors, where you'll hear about many aspects of law in England and Wales with special guests, industry experts, and local charities. Here's your host, Amanda Jones. Hello, and welcome to the Legal Lounge, where we now release new episodes every Monday. If you haven't heard previous shows, there's plenty of content for you. If you're going through a divorce, want to know more about claiming for injuries, or you're training to be a lawyer, you can listen to these shows on your favourite podcast app and get more information by visiting lblaw.co.uk forward slash podcast. In this episode, solicitor Natasha Gibbons chats with legal assistant Bryn Auger about how to make a complaint against a healthcare professional in England and Wales and the process that's followed. They explain what to expect, what the various terms mean and stress the importance of seeking legal advice if you've received a financial offer. We thought that it would be helpful today to have a discussion about complaints. One of the most common questions our team is asked when we received new inquiries is how do I go about making a complaint? A lot of people don't know how to go about making a complaint, what to expect when they do and where they go after that. And the first thing to note about what we are going to discuss today is that the systems for dealing with complaints in England, which are made against NHS Trust, are slightly different to how complaints are dealt with by health boards in Wales. Uh, We will cover both today by first going through the rules of the complaints process in both England and Wales, as well as providing a few helpful and practical points if you're considering making a complaint against a healthcare provider in the future. So if we start with the NHS complaints process, so NHS trusts are responsible for healthcare in England. The first thing to note is that ideally a complaint needs to be made within 12 months of the event giving rise to the claim and ideally in writing and we'll come back to um, how to go about writing your complaint later on in this discussion. The reason that a complaint ideally needs to be made within 12 months is twofold. Firstly, to enable complaints departments to effectively manage their resources. And secondly, to allow them to respond whilst events are still relatively recent. There's then better prospects of the medical professionals involved being in a position to remember your case without total reliance on what's written in the medical records and so that constructive discussions can be held with a view to responding to your complaint. Complaints can be made after 12 months but some trusts simply won't investigate. Others will investigate but they won't be able to provide you with what you might consider to be a more satisfactory response due to the passage of time. The second key thing to note is that once a complaint is made it goes to the complaints team at the trust responsible at the hospital that's involved or the practice manager at a GP surgery if you're making a complaint against the GP. Under the NHS constitution, a response does have to be provided. You have a right to have any complaint acknowledged in three days and have it properly investigated. You have the right to discuss the manner in which the complaint is to be handled and to know the period within which the investigation is likely to be completed and when the response will be sent. You also have the right to be kept informed of the progress of the complaints process and also to know the outcome of any investigation into your complaint. This includes an explanation of the conclusions and confirmation that any action needed in consequence of the complaint has been taken 
or is proposed to be taken. Because it's right to say, Natasha, that the complaints process sometimes can take longer. So what can you expect from the response from uh, the hospital or the GP practice in England if you do make a complaint? So healthcare professionals owe a duty of candour to their patients. And what is a duty of candour? So that means that they have to be open and honest with their patients about what has happened in their care and whether or not something has gone wrong. So quite often when you receive a written response to your complaint, you will firstly be provided with an explanation, so a timeline of what's happened, and that's often been prepared with reference to your medical records. From there, you might be advised of some comments that have been made by your treating doctor, nurse, GP, whoever that might be, or one of their colleagues, and you will be, in some cases, offered an apology for what has gone wrong, if anything, from their point of view. It's worth noting, though, that a written response to complaint isn't necessarily always provided straight away. Quite often, our clients are being invited into meetings with the trust to discuss their concerns. And what are your thoughts about complaints, uh, the respondents to a complaint being invited to uh, a meeting compared to having a, a usual sort of written response? Uh, would you have any sort of tips or tricks to, or guidance that you can give to um, those people who've made the complaints? Yes, so I'm quite often asked this um, question by my clients. They're invited to a meeting and the first thing they say to me is, I don't know if I should actually go. Will this prejudice a clinical negligence case? My advice is always, helpfully, it's entirely my client's decision whether or not they attend. But if they do attend, I would suggest that they go with some questions um, noted down as to what they want answered on the day and I would always advise them to make sure that after the meeting they have requested a transcript of the meeting or more commonly at the moment a letter that summarises what was discussed in the meeting uh, and what the outcome of that meeting was. This is of course different to the system that is taken in Wales which is known as the putting things right complaints process as well as the redress system. So the outcome you can expect in Wales is very different. So the preference in Wales, um, whose health services are overseen by health boards rather than NHS trusts, is that complaints should be raised within 12 months of the incident and ideally as soon as possible after the event. And the aim is to acknowledge that complaint within two working days and to provide a final response within 30 days, of course, subject to available resources. Um, but again, the key, the key point to take away is you will receive a response. It's the response that is significantly different from a health board. A health board in their response will quite often, as an NHS trust would, provide you with a timeline of what's happened and comments from relevant professionals, whether that's your treating doctor, nurse, GP, etc., or one of their colleagues they may provide you with an apology. Importantly, they will advise you whether or not they think that a qualifying liability has been found. So in other words, 
whether or not they think there is a potential action in clinical negligence. And what makes up a potential action in clinical negligence that would count as a qualifying liability? Is there a criteria? Is there a test that needs to be filled? In clinical negligence cases, in order to establish liability, i.e. negligence, there are two legal tests that have to be proven. The first is breach of duty. We have to be able to prove that the patient received medical care that fell below an acceptable standard. And that standard is of the reasonably competent doctor, midwife, GP, etc. Yes, the reasonably competent doctor, nurse, midwife, GP, in that situation, with the information they knew at the time and not with the benefit of hindsight. So that's the first element. We also have to be able to prove what's called causation. So in other words, we have to prove that any breach of duty has caused an injury or outcome that wouldn't have otherwise been suffered. Responses to complaints from health boards in particular can be really, really helpful in identifying the prospects of success for a clinical negligence case. It's important to note, however, if a qualifying liability is been, has been found by a health board and they consider the value of the case to be less than £25,000, they will likely make you an offer to settle your case. If, however, the potential value is above £25,000, you will probably be advised to instruct a solicitor at that stage if you haven't already. And even if someone has received an offer under £25,000, would it be uh, an idea still for someone to come forward and try to speak to a solicitor about getting some form of legal advice in light of being told there is some form of qualifying liability? Absolutely. Uh, We do see cases where people come to us with an offer having been made and in our experience we can see straight away that that does not adequately compensate them for the losses that they've suffered due to this liability that's been found. So I would always advise a client to err on the side of caution and to seek legal advice on the offer that they've been received. And certainly if a qualifying liability has been found and they have been advised they need to approach a solicitor, absolutely do so. What should I do if I've made a complaint uh, against a health board, uh, they've come back to me in writing and have said the words qualifying liability? Uh, What sort of uh, outcomes Uh, could I expect to receive? What sort of response, what sort of actions could the health board take after saying that there's been a qualifying liability? So the first thing that you can expect is if the health board has assessed your case to have a potential value of below £25,000, then quite often they will make an offer to you to settle your case. Uh, That offer will be an offer that's for fuller and final settlement of your case. So in other words, that's the end of it. You can't come back and claim more compensation if you find that that doesn't adequately compensate you. So you can't have a second bite of the cherry? No, absolutely not. They will get it in writing that you have finally resolved your case for that sum. If, on the other hand, they assess the potential value of your case to be above £25,000, quite often you will be advised to instruct a solicitor at that stage. Uh, Quite often we are approached by people who have received a response confirming that a qualifying liability has been found and seeking legal advice on that basis. My advice, however, would be whether or not a qualifying liability has been found. If you're concerned, seek legal advice. If you have been 
offered a sum to settle your case, seek legal advice. And if you have been advised to seek legal advice, do so. And Lanyon Badler offers a uh, free consultation in the clinical negligence department uh, where you can talk to uh, myself or other members of the team uh, and we can relay that information to our team of solicitors who can determine whether or not this is something that we can assist with or not. It is worth pointing out that if you are advised that there is a qualifying liability, you will be told that you are entitled to some form of free legal advice. It's worth noting that this can be a little bit misleading uh, because what this means is that the health board will pay a limited fixed fee to your solicitor for dealing with the valuation and negotiation of a settlement in your case. Yes, but that won't necessarily cover the true cost of this advice being provided. However, there are various methods of funding clinical negligence cases that won't expose you to worry about legal costs. And at Lanyon Bowdler, we do offer free consultations to discuss with you your potential concerns and your potential clinical negligence case. And we can discuss with you from there the options for funding your case and for ensuring that your case has been properly investigated and properly valued. Now, there may be some people listening to this podcast who have gone through the complaints process in England and or in Wales and have felt that the response to their complaint has been uh, rather unsatisfactory. Are there any further options available outside of obtaining legal advice that someone could Explore. There are indeed. So I echo those thoughts, Bryn. Um, it can be really unsatisfactory for a patient to receive a response to complaint, particularly if they don't receive an apology. The power of an apology cannot be underestimated. So many people decide to proceed with clinical negligence cases because an apology has been withheld. And it's that that induces them to take further action. And quite often that's legal action, uh, particularly if your main desire at that stage is to obtain compensation for what's happened. Because no matter what's happened to you, uh, if you feel that you are a victim of some form of medical negligence, that is really important. It matters. It should matter to the trust or the health board. It certainly matters to us. And we would definitely say, please do approach us if you feel that you haven't received the answers that you're looking for and you want to explore further options. Absolutely. So there is the option before start going down the legal route of approaching the Parliamentary Health Ombudsman. So the Parliamentary Health Ombudsman is a neutral third party that's been set up by the government to investigate and provide independent adjudication on complaints received against NHS trusts and health boards. And under the NHS constitution, you do have the right to take your complaint to the Independent Parliamentary Health and Service Ombudsman. However, you usually need to wait until the local resolution levels have been exhausted, that being the complaints process at the NHS Trust or the health board in question, or a GP for that matter. In particular, if it's clear from the concern that you raise with them that your primary goal is to obtain compensation for what's happened, then invariably you will at that stage be directed to contact a solicitor. If your goal is to get some form of compensation for the injuries that you've suffered, is the Parliamentary Health Ombudsman necessarily the best way to 
achieve that objective? No, and quite often the parliamentary health ombudsman will decline to investigate your case if your primary goal is to achieve compensation simply because that is not their role. They cannot obtain that compensation for you. In those circumstances, if your primary goal is to achieve compensation, you need to approach a solicitor. But if your primary goal is to receive some form of recognition, resolution or judication, uh, an explanation from an independent third party about what's happened to you, what's gone on with your treatment, and you're not seeking to recover compensation, then the Parliamentary Health Ombudsman might be an appropriate option as well. Absolutely. It's important to note you can approach a solicitor at any stage after you have suffered what you think might amount to medical negligence. You can wait until after your complaint or you can make a complaint and approach a solicitor at the same time. You can uh, wait for the response to complaint and approach a solicitor or you might decide that you're going to review your response to complaint. If you're not happy, you're going to go to the health ombudsman and if you're still not happy after that, you're going to approach a solicitor. It's worth pointing out, however, that you need to be aware that there is a limitation rule in clinical negligence cases. If you take anything away from this podcast, please remember the buzzword limitation, limitation, limitation. Absolutely. It, it is so important to be aware that in uh, a clinical negligence claim uh, there will be a, a timer counting down from the date uh, on which uh, you've suffered the uh, the injury or your date of knowledge of that injury um, you have three years within which to start court proceedings the majority of clinical negligence cases will be resolved without ever needing to start court proceedings and so the sooner that you approach a solicitor the better so that the prospects of that being achieved are heightened the rule's slightly different in the case of children. That three years doesn't start running until they reach their 18th birthday. So in effect, all children have until their 21st birthday to bring a clinical negligence case. If the case has arisen from a fatality, then you have three years from the date of death. And if you are approaching a solicitor and you're worried about limitation periods, please highlight that to the solicitor that you're contacting. Make sure that you provide uh, as many dates as possible because that will allow the solicitor to effectively assess whether or not there is some form of uh, risk when it comes to the limitation period. Yes and don't be disheartened either if you consider that the limitation period has expired. There are exceptions to the general rule and if you would contact us about your inquiry and to explain to us why that delay has arisen, we would be able to advise you whether we think that general rule can be surmounted and you can still bring your case. And Lanny and Bowler offer a free consultation within our clinical negligence department where if you had a question like that, you could very much certainly raise it when speaking to members of the team. We've talked about the basis behind a complaint and uh, the rules that go around both England and Wales. Do you have any advice to uh, listeners when it comes to making a good complaint? Yes, so firstly, you can raise grievances informally over the phone or in person, but it's always worth putting the complaint in writing. This ensures you have a paper trail of what you've said and the responses that you've received. And it's helpful if you are considering a clinical negligence case for us to have those to review and to refer to. I would suggest starting the complaint with a timeline from your perspective of what's happened. Stick to the facts 
try not to get bogged down in accusations tell them in your words from start to finish what has happened and follow that then with some specific questions noting your concerns so if for example your concern is that there has been a delay in diagnosis of appendicitis you presented to hospital on day one you weren't diagnosed until day three one of your questions might be why did it take until day three for me to receive a diagnosis why when i presented to hospital on day one if it hasn't been the case, was I not referred for a scan? Why did I not have blood tests? If you did have blood tests, what did the results of these show? What did the results of my scan show? Absolutely. It goes back to the very elementary point of the five W's. If you're sitting there trying to figure out what sort of questions to ask, start off with the headlines, who, what, when, where, and why. You then need to just end that simply with a request for a response to your concerns in writing. And as we've already noted, it can't be emphasised enough, keep copies of all correspondence. If you are making a complaint to an NHS trust, you need to address it to the complaints department of the trust. If you go onto the website, there will usually be a section called complaints and we'll have links either to uh, a, uh, a form on the website itself, uh, an email address where you can send the complaint by email uh, or even by post to the complaints department at the NHS Trust. If you're approaching a GP to complain about your treatment at the GP practice, that goes to the practice director. If you're making a complaint against an, a health board, in Wales, it doesn't go to the complaints team, it goes to the concerns team. Absolutely. And if you're not sure either, some people aren't sure what NHS trust is responsible for their particular hospital that they've been seen at, simply Google that hospital and it will in inevitably tell you the trust that is, is responsible for them. Absolutely. Usually it's at the top right hand side or the top left hand side uh, of the website. It will say X and Y NHS Trust, NHS Foundation Trust or, or University Health Board. So as we've said and we've reiterated throughout this discussion today, if you are concerned that you have been affected by clinical negligence, feel free to give our team a call for a free initial chat about what has happened and we can give you some guidance from there about how to proceed. Absolutely. We are here to listen to you. We care about your concerns and we want to ensure that we give you uh, the next steps forward. Uh, the only way that you can do that is to contact us like I've said, like we've said, it is a free consultation. Please do not hesitate because we are here for you. Absolutely. So you can contact us via our website. We have a chat box on there. You can email us at inquiries at lblaw.co.uk or you can contact us on 01743 280280. Thanks to Natasha and Bryn for lending their expertise. More proof that lawyers don't bite. If you have a legal issue you'd like me to put to our team to cover in an upcoming episode, please let me know by visiting lblaw.co.uk forward slash podcast. 
Thanks for listening. If you found the conversation useful, please remember to follow or subscribe on your app so you're notified of new releases when they come out every Monday. Speak to you next week. That was The Legal Lounge from Lanyon Bowdler Solicitors. Visit lblaw.co.uk slash podcast for helpful resources. And please do follow or subscribe on your podcast app so you never miss an episode.